So, growing up, I uh, really enjoyed baseball. I actually still do. I uh, had a, one point in time in my life, a very nice collection of uh, baseball caps, much to the chagrin of my wife. Much, my parents decided to bring a bunch of them up to us, and they are now sitting in our attic. So at some point, I need to get rid of those, but uh, we will we'll see about that. But when I was growing up, because I liked baseball, I would go out to uh, my parents' driveway of our house. They had this brick house, and there was about a, I don't know, probably about a six-foot section of wall right against the driveway, and I would take like a rubberish type baseball and imagine myself as a pitcher for the Cleveland team, and I would uh, throw it against the wall, and it would bounce back. I'm trying to catch a grounder, and, you know, I'm having fun, thinking this is great, but there was one little problem right next to this big open six-foot section of brick wall was a window. And uh, my dad, because the, win- the room got bright, put this like storm window on the front of it to try to help this light on that side of the room. He's like, eventually he said, hey, maybe don't throw the ball against the side of the house because the window's there. But being a, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old, I don't remember how old I was, I was like, ah, I'm fine, I got this, I'll be careful, I have good aim, I can throw it, get it, it won't be a problem. Um, you can probably guess what happens. One day, I threw, and uh, my aim was not very good that day, and right, it was a great shot, right into the window, and uh, yeah, so there was some glass in the driveway. Now, my dad, being surprisingly very gracious and didn't uh, blow up a whole lot, I had to I think I called him on his cell phone and said, uh, Dad, I uh, kind of missed the wall and uh, broke the window. And he was very gracious. I mean, he didn't let me off the hook. I had to clean up the glass. I'm pretty sure he made me do extra chores to help pay off the price of getting a new window. But he, he helped me. Or, you know, he was nice. But that taught me the importance of honoring what my dad had said. You know, in my mind, it's like, well, that's kind of a pain. I want to throw against the side of the house. My dad's thinking is, if you miss, you're going to break the window. So I, had, I learned I needed to honor what he said. He had a reason for why he said to do it. Can anyone else here this morning relate? Maybe not to uh, throwing a ball through a window, but uh, maybe it's the, you know, your parents said, hey, don't talk on the phone real late at night, and then at Three in the morning, they come knocking on your door and realize that you're still talking to your girlfriend. That also happened to me. <clears throat> Not that I was uh, perfect growing up. Or maybe, you know, your parents said, don't go to the movies, and yet you still snuck out and you went. Or they told you to go do your chores before you did something else, and you decide, nah, I don't want to do my chores right now. I'd rather go shopping. So you sneak out and you do that. I think we've all done things where we're not honoring our parents the way that. Scripture says to do it. Today we're going to look at uh, the next one of the Big Ten Commandments. So we've done four. We're going to go to number five today. And I know Pastor Zach's been doing these like hand motions to help everybody remember. I've tried to get them. It's not clicking in my head. So I'm just going to recap where we've been. So week one, have no other gods before God. Week two, don't make idols. Week three, don't use the Lord's name in vain. And week four, last week, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So this morning, we're going to look at the fifth commandment. And 
Obviously, there's Ten Commandments that could be considered by some the uh, start of the second set of commandments. So the first four commandments, which we've looked at, deal with God and how we honor and respect and follow God. And then the next six, in some people's understanding, is how we deal with other people. Because we're going to look at today, honor parents, and not to steal any thunder from the weeks that come, but it's going to be don't murder, don't steal. But it could also be understood as a hinge commandment or a bridge commandment. It does deal with the treatment of others in commandment five, but it also points back to our love and honor of God. And as I was studying this week, one of the commentaries I looked at said that the, the commandments could probably be broken down into three categories. Category number one, God. Number two, family. And number three, community. One purpose of the commandments is to show God's pattern of conduct, especially when dealing with other people. So how we view God will influence how we interact with others at home and in society. So that's kind of the backdrop to where we're going to be at today with commandment number five. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 20, and we get to look at one verse in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. When uh, studying this, they, the, a lot of commentators make, make the point of, you know, the first four commandments you have the commandment, then you have some explanation. What's going on? Why this commandment is important? God gives some more explanation. Then you get to number five and through the rest, and they're fairly short. And so, you know, I'm used to having several verses to work through. I got one, and it's not very long, so we're going to unpack it here a little bit. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So that's it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the fifth commandment, as we see as we start here, is not a do not command. It's not a don't have any other gods before me, or do not take the Lord's name in vain. It's a more of a do. Honor your father and your mother, a do honor them. So the first thing we're going to see as we unpack this commandment is that honor is a responsibility. So when you think of the word honor, what comes to your mind? Maybe what comes to your mind is the honor rule. You know, I want to be one of those students who gets good grades and I'm on the honor rule. Or, well, my child has done really well and is on the honor rule. It's a place of esteem. Or maybe it's an idea of admiration, or prestige. In Exodus, it says that children should honor their parents, but as we're going to unpack this morning, there's also the idea that parents should seek to be worthy of respect. So the first thing we see from this commandment is that children have a responsibility. So what does the word honor actually mean? The word honor in this passage, if you look at the Hebrew, is from the Hebrew word kabad, I'm not going to spell that for you. I have the English transliteration up here. But it's the idea of a physical heaviness or a weightiness of an idea. It's the idea to treat someone with respect for their position. Commandment number five was to show the Israelites how they should honor their parents. And it's also an idea that is similar to how they should honor God. 
In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but it starts with, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. The same word is used there in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. But in Proverbs 3, 9, it's, a, it's an honor for God, which is an, more of an honor of awe or a fear or reverence, having a reverence for who God is. When that word kabod is used here in, Deuter- uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 20, verse 12, it's the idea of a weightiness or respect towards who God has placed in authority as parents. By honor, it's a level of respect or a care for families and for parents. But to under, uh, understand this idea of honor, it's kind of important to understand the family background context of the ancient Near East. So in the ancient Near East, during biblical times, there were very high expectations of children in regards to families. So today, when we think about how to honor and respect parents, especially as people get older, there's very much an idea of independence, or this is up to the parents. Currently, my mom and my aunt are going through some of this with my grandparents, of how to care for my grandma now that she's older. So sometimes for... Uh, adults as they get older, it's the idea of, hey, let's sell our house, we're going to downsize so that we don't have to burden our children with taking care of us if we have children. Or we don't need that big a house, we're going to downsize. Or for children, there's the idea of, hey, maybe we should move our parents into assisted living so they can still have some independence, but they're not in their own home. Or there's that tension of of waiting through, should we have in-home care or a nursing home? There's usually some moving parts there when it comes to how to honor and care for parents. But in ancient Near East, there was a lot less moving parts. In the Assyrian law, children were legally bound to support impoverished parents or mothers. A widowed mother was expected to reside with a son. It really wasn't an option of, hey, mom, dad died, you want to move in with us. It was, if your mom is by herself, she's moving in with you, no questions asked. Or Babylonians had adoption laws that were kind of extreme with the idea that the children were supposed to have reverence and honor owed to the adopted parents by providing clothing, food, and essentials to the parents as they got older. Like if you were adopted, now that meant that, hey, you're on the hook for everything. Like that is one of the reasons to adopt a child is so they'll take care of you. There was also um, laws written about what would happen if you didn't honor your parents. You could be uh, outcast. You could be killed. If you even said something slanderous against your parents, that was a big deal. So in the ancient Near East, honor and respect of parents was a big deal. But we also see this idea of care of parents if we read through the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, once Joseph is sold into slavery and then becomes second only to Pharaoh. And if you read that whole story, at the very end, you get to see that when Israel's in famine and Joseph's brothers come to him, Joseph says, hey, you guys move here, but also make sure dad gets here and get Jacob here so that I can take care of him and provide for him as he gets older. I've been going through the book of 1 Samuel with the high schoolers on Sunday mornings. And when you read about David, when he's on the run from Saul before he's king, he goes and hides in Moab and then goes to the king of Moab and says, hey, my parents are in trouble if they stay in Israel. Can we, like, set them up in a house here in Moab so they're safe while I'm on the run? 
David was looking after his parents. The idea of also parents or a, a child supporting the mother is one of the issues that Naomi had in the book of Ruth. Her sons had died, and when she came back to Israel and to Bethlehem, she didn't have anybody to take care of her. That was one of the struggles we saw in the book of Ruth. So God makes it very clear in this fifth commandment that it's supposed to be an honor of your parents. It's to show respect, care, and appreciation. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reiterates this idea and also expands on it. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to um, Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians and the book of Colossians, where Paul kind of doubles down on the idea of um, what the fifth commandment says. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 2, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It's very similar to Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother. In Colossians chapter 3, you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read from Colossians 3, verse 20. Paul says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Paul tells children in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3 to obey or to listen to their parents. But he puts a qualifier on there. For this is right. This is the correct thing to do. It pleases God. So he says, obey your parents. But does that mean that parents are just allowed to be jerks and tell their kids to do whatever? Absolutely not. Verse six, verse one, or Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He says, obey in the Lord. It's the guidelines. So if parents say to their kids, hey, uh, Johnny, go out and go to the bank and take a knife and ask them to give us $600 and hold up the bank, that's not okay. He's not supposed to go do that. Or if they say, you know, go murder the person down the street, that's not okay. That goes against Scripture and is not honoring God. If something goes against God, you aren't being disobedient if you don't do it. But Paul is saying you still need to strive to be honoring to your parents. God has given parents authority, but it should line with the things that are biblically right. And that leads into the next idea we see from this uh, command is that parents also have a responsibility when it comes to honor. The command in Exodus is to children. Children, or honor your father and your mother. He's talking to children, but Paul extends it to parents. Paul says children are to obey and honor, but parents also have a responsibility and honor. As we're going to see here in just a second as we look at this verse, Paul tells fathers who are, who are the head of the household, but also that means parents, that they have a responsibility. Do not provoke to wrath or to enrage your children. In Colossians 3, uh, 21, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Provoke means um, try not to quarrel with debate with your children. Or it says do not bring them to discouragement. It's try not to irritate your children. But why? Is Paul just saying, Hey, be best friends with your kids. Never tell them what's right and wrong. Don't try to encourage them to follow the rules. No, that's not what he's saying. I think it is good to have a strong relationship with your children. I want to have a friendship with Amaya as she gets older. 
it's going to be a whole lot more fun for me if she wants to have a relationship with me than me just butting heads with her all the time. It's okay to be friends with your kids, but it's, and it's good to have a strong relationship. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.4 that parents have a main role, and it's not just to be their friend. Ephesians 6.4, he says, Fathers, do not provoke, don't make them upset, your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring up kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It says you're supposed to be teaching your kids about God. That's one of your main roles as a parent. So what does that look like? Like parents have a lot of responsibilities. We have to feed them. We need to clothe them, make sure they have a bed, give them education. But the number one responsibility of parents is to help their kids know and follow God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, uh, it's a passage that's called the Shema. And it starts with, it's kind of a cap, recapsulizing of the Ten Commandments into another form. It starts with, in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I'm going to skip down to verse 7. It says, You shall teach them, your children, diligently, or you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Teach this to your children as much as you can. Teach your kids about God as much as possible. Parents have a responsibility to teach their children about God, and the knowledge of God should inform parents how they interact with their children. So children have a responsibility, honor your father and your mother. Parents have a responsibility in honor to follow God and to teach their children about God. But there's also one more responsibility when it comes to honor, and that's a responsibility to forgive and to love. When I was going through this passage, the question that came to, comes to mind is, what do you do if your parents aren't or weren't honorable people? Do you just ignore it? Do you ignore that fact? Do you just sweep it under the rug and say, well, Scripture says, honor your parents. My parents weren't good. I'm just going to ignore that. In the passages, God given out clause for honoring your parents. Only honor them if they don't do this thing. No. We all know there are parents who have done awful things, have been abusive, have been hurtful. There are some parents that can never let their children grow up, who are manipulating their parents, who intimidate their parents, or who have, want nothing to do with their children as they grow up. So are we supposed to acknowledge that that stuff never happens? I don't think so. I think that we're supposed to acknowledge that that stuff happens, but we're also supposed to acknowledge the command to honor, to respect. In the book of Ephesians, again, Paul gives some insights into how to treat people who have hurt you or wronged you or ruined a relationship. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. In verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul is saying that you should seek to forgive and love because that's what Christ has done for you. You don't have to be friends with the parents who hurt you. You don't have to run out and try to be best friends with them again or spend all this time with them. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's not appropriate. Or maybe they won't even talk to you. But you can ask God to work in your heart. It's up to you how you take care of 
the hurt and the pain and the anger. You can ask God to help you forgive so that you can have a God-honoring approach to honoring your parents. So honor is a responsibility. So teens or, parent or children, you have a responsibility to honor. So let me ask you this morning, are you responding honorably? You don't have to agree with the things that your parents say and do. And you can think what your parents say is dumb. You can think it. You shouldn't say it. I've been there. I know that for some people in here, that seems like that was probably a long time ago for me. But I remember vividly not agreeing with everything my parents said. It seemed very stupid to me that I couldn't drive a car until I was 18 years old. My parents had a reason for that. It's frustrating at times when your parents say and do stuff that you don't like or agree with. And even as a grown-up, you don't have to necessarily do everything your parents say to do. You can listen and respect their opinions on things. It doesn't mean you have to do it. But you should seek to be respectful because that honors God and that honors parents. And this morning for parents, honor is a responsibility. Are you acting honorably? It's easy to say, don't do that without giving an explanation. I have a four-year-old who's apparently constantly hungry, especially right around dinner time as we're making dinner, and she'll come in the kitchen and say, I'm hungry. I want food. Can I have a cookie? And I say, no. Then she walks away, and then she comes back a couple minutes later. I'm hungry. I want a cookie. And I say, no. And she's getting frustrated at me. I'm getting frustrated at her because she's not listening. What I need to do is say, no, we're having dinner. The cookie has too much sugar. It's bad for you to have that right now instead of getting frustrated. When parents, if you say no to, your, to friends or a movie, explain why. Seek to teach your kids about God. Point your kids to him. You won't always be able to tell or instruct your children what to do and what not to do because they're going to grow up, they're going to get older, but you can always show them God's love and God's care in their lives. And for all of us here this morning, we should remember that anyone that God has placed in authority over us, bosses, teachers, government officials, they are owed respect and honor because that honors God. So the commandment says honor is a responsibility, but it's also a promise. It also brings a promise. Honor brings a promise. So when you think of a promise, what do you think of? You know, is it the little kid having the pinky swear? You know, we're going to be best friends forever, pinky swear, promise, right? Or a pledge. In the, the commandments, we normally focus on the first opening part of commandment five, honor your father and your mother, on the part that says what to do in the commandment. But there's also a that in the verse. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. There is a so that. There's a promise from God of love and care for honoring your parents. In Deuteronomy 5.16, which is the uh, parallel passage, it says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So long days and that they would prosper is part of the promise that God gave the Israelites. In Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, it says, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first command with a promise 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So the promise is a blessing. There's a blessing attached to this, long life in the land. When I was thinking through this idea, it made me think of my time in seminary. And when I was in seminary, I was fortunate enough to get a, a substantial scholarship that helped me be able to afford to go to um, seminary. And the Kern Family Foundation was started by the Kern Family, hence the Kern Family Foundation. Um, anybody ever heard of Generac Generators? Generac Generators was owned by the Kern Family. And during the whole Y2K, everybody preparing for everything to go dark, they made bank. They made a ton of money. And the Kern Family said, what are we going to do with all this money? They were believers, and they said, oh, well, hey, maybe... You know, they, they decided we should set up some scholarships. So they set up some scholarships for, like, engineers and people in that field. But they also wanted to help train people to do ministry. But the blessing of that was a very large scholarship. But that blessing had stipulations. You had to be going into ministry. You had to meet an age criteria. And the most important was you had to have a certain GPA. And if you didn't carry out the GPA, you were going to lose your scholarship. So I realized... on. Uh, early on, if I honored the terms of the agreement, then I got the blessing of the scholarship. I got the blessing of the financial aid and assistance. So what is the promise in this commandment? People try to take this verse and say, well, if you honor your parents, you're going to live a long and healthy life. It means in the other side, if you don't honor them, then you're going to die young. But we all know people who have honored their parents and cared for their parents well, and they die at a young age. So what is God talking about? God is talking about the blessing of the new land he was going to give the Israelites, the promised land of Israel. God wanted the Israelites to experience all his blessings that were entailed in the new land. Land, food, and land flowing with milk and honey, relationships. As a hinge commandment, the fifth commandment encompassed not just how to treat parents, but it's also pointing to how you should treat all of life. If the Israelites honored their parents, then they honored God. They would have the right understanding and perception of the first four commandments. This honoring would also influence then how they treated and interacted with their community around them. So the point for the Israelites was obedience to the fifth commandment would help them relate to God and then each other, resulting in an enriched life in the land. The ability for future generations to come and to live and inherit the promised land from their parents was directly tied to how they did at honoring father and mother. So the command starts with God and then spills into the home life, which then spills out into the community. So let me ask you, how are you doing with that? Does your home life reflect God? Do people see God in your family? Does your relationship with God influence how you interact with your family, which then spills into the community at work or at school and with friends? Honoring our family allows us to be the agents of change that show the promise of God's love and grace in a way that can make a difference in our world. So honoring is a responsibility that brings a promise, and it reflects Christ's. As we've been going through these Ten Commandments, we want to see how the commandments point us to Jesus. Well, I think Jesus modeled this pretty well. 
we don't know a whole lot about Jesus' life on earth other than the three years recorded in the Gospels. And we don't know a whole lot about his life growing up. But in Luke chapter 2, we get an idea of how Jesus' earthly life modeled this as a teen. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to summarize it. But in Luke, the end of Luke 2, when Jesus is probably a teenager, a, young, a young, younger man, somewhere between probably 10 and 13, he, Joseph and Mary, his earthly parents, travel to Jerusalem once a year to sacrifice at the temple. And then as they're traveling back, they stop to make camp one night on the way back, and they realize, where's Jesus? He's not here. Now, before you get to thinking, well, why weren't they keeping better track of their kid? It wasn't uncommon for like parents or groups of families, you know, three, four, five families to travel together. The kids would kind of run along and play behind as they're traveling. As long as you got to camp together, you were doing good. So they're making camp and realize Jesus isn't there. He still must be in Jerusalem. So they're frantically trying to figure out where Jesus is. They travel back, look everywhere for him, and finally find him in the temple. And if you know the story, it's they say, Jesus, where, why weren't you here? And he says, well, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Sometimes we look at that and say, well, Jesus was being indignant. He was being rude. But the reality was he was just surprised that they hadn't looked at the temple first, where they left him. He was there talking with the religious leaders. But it tells us in verse 51, what did Jesus do? Did he just, like, say, well, don't you know I'm God's son, like I'm supposed to be in the temple? No, it says that he was obedient. He went with them and traveled back to Nazareth with his parents. He honored his father and his mother. But we also see that Jesus honored God, or was honoring at the cross in John chapter 19. Jesus, when he is battered, torn, beaten, hardly breathing on the cross, honored his mother. He did what the eldest son was supposed to do. He, uh, he made sure that Mary was going to be cared for. In John 19, verses 25 to 27, Jesus, as he's on the cross, if I can turn my page there, says to John, the beloved disciple, um, But standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, being John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. So as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he did what the son was supposed to do. He honored his mother. He made sure that John would look after Mary. We know that when he was on earth, Jesus kept all the commandments perfectly, even the one about how to treat your parents. But we also see that Jesus modeled this with God the Father. As God the Son, Jesus modeled honor perfectly. In John 5, verses 19 to 24, um, we see that God... He honored God by surrendering, surrendering his will and providing restoration for humanity. Jesus was not doing anything on his own when he was on earth. He was doing what God sent him to do. Jesus showed honor to his heavenly Father by submitting his will to the Father. 
in John 5, verse 24, it says that Jesus uh, honored his, father, his, earthly father, or his heavenly father. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That was the purpose of why Jesus honored his Father's will. If you believe Jesus' word and believe him who sent him, we will have eternal life. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was going to be arrested, he honored God the Father and surrendered to his will. Verse 24 of that, when Jesus is praying and talking to God, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus honored God the Father through his words, not my will, but your will, and then his actions. And if you know the the story of the crucifixion, we know that Jesus went and was tried, and and, um, they made accusations that Jesus did not respond. He honored his Father. So why does all this matter for us as we look at why Jesus is the perfect model of this, why this reflects Christ? Because Jesus honored his Father in heaven and was obedient to him, we can now have a restored relationship with God. And we can have hope and forgiveness to share with the world. Own that. That's the gospel. The fact that Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again. That's the gospel. Because Jesus honored God, we can be the recipients of his love and grace and salvation. John 14, 6, it tells us that it is through Jesus that we can have a restored relationship with God. 1 John 5, 11 through 12 tells us that God has given us eternal life through his son Jesus if we believe. In Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death for us. Own that fact. Own the fact that Jesus humbled himself so that we could have a restored relationship with Jesus. Own the fact that Jesus honored his Father so we could have a relationship with God. If you can let that inform your approach to life and how you interact with God and with your family and with your community. So what does the fifth commandment mean for all of us? Do people look at you and realize there is something different about you and your approach to life, especially at home. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and theologian in Germany during uh, World War II and ended up really being a martyr for his faith, said this, Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. So let me ask you this morning, does your life do that? Does your home life reflect the honor and respect talked about in Exodus and Ephesians? You know, how each of us navigates this idea of honoring our parents will be different, but honoring parents, honoring children, forgiving others, and honoring the authority that God has placed in our lives is important. It's what God is asking us to do. But this morning, let me ask you, have you owned the promises of God in your life? You know, God told the Israelites, if you honor your father and your mother, you'll get the promise of the land. But we've also been promised love, grace, a relationship, hope, and a future if we believe in God. Don't just know those promises. Own them as you navigate life with your family, and then as you seek to be agents of change in your world. 
And also, are you thankful that Jesus was willing to submit to God's plan and that he honored God so that you can have a restored relationship? Let me encourage you this morning to allow God's love and grace to shape your interactions with your family and your community. The world needs to see Jesus through you. Honoring parents and those who God has placed in authority over us allows us to honor God and share the blessings of our relationship with Christ as we interact with our families and our community. If we can remember that and live that, it will give us more opportunities to share the light of Jesus to a dark world that needs that light. Let me close us in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day. We're thankful for this opportunity to um, come and worship you, God, and and to continue looking at uh, the Ten Commandments, God. And I pray that we would think through um, commandment number five, God, to honor your father and your mother. God, I pray that as children, those of us that are children, God, that we would seek to honor those you've placed in authority over us. But God, as parents, I pray that we would seek to show... uh, you to our kids, that we would honor you by showing them you. God, I pray that we would remember what you've done for us when you came to this earth, that you honored your, your heavenly Father by submitting to his will for us so that you, could, that you would die and restore the relationship with us so that we could have a relationship with you. God, I pray that we would own that blessing, that we would remember what you've done for us so that we can share that to others who need to hear that good news. God, I pray that we would honor you with how we honor our families and take that into our communities so that people see there's something different about us that gives us an opportunity to share them or with share you with them. And God, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. This morning we're also going to have a time of of communion, remembering what Christ did for us on the cross, remembering that Jesus came and died so we could have a restored relationship. So at this time the men are here to help uh, pass that out. So I pray that you would take the next couple minutes as we sing to just ponder and reflect on what Christ did for us as the cross.